0: Thanks for listening to the Church at Severn Run Messages podcast. You can find more information about the church at severnrun.com. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning, everybody. Um, Today, you will notice a card on your seat. And... In a little while, I'm going to ask you to take a challenge. It's called the unoffendable challenge. And I'm going to explain it a little bit, um, although it's fairly self-explanatory when you think about it. But by the end of the service, I pray that you'll take this challenge with me, because I truly believe that uh, one decision can make all of life better, and one decision, good or bad, can change life Forever. You know, in a badly broken world, um, we can make a good news decision. That is, we're taking what the scripture says, how Jesus lived, and we are then beginning an adventure of applying it to our lives. I mean, actually doing it. Man, if you're here and um, right now where you are is you have stuff in your head that you're not struggling to to work into your life, you're not, you're not taking something and then saying, wait a minute, how does this play out when I, until you do that, you haven't really begun the, the real adventure of faith. This is when the fun starts. It's when you start applying the word of God to, to, to life. If you just leave it in your head as theory, um, it really is, it's it, it stays dead. But this gospel message, this good news message to become undefendable is life-changing. Now, Jesus, I'm going to argue, was unoffendable. Um, he It doesn't mean that he didn't fight wrong, right? He did, but it means he lived right. It means that Jesus lived with peace in all circumstances. And nobody could take that away from him. Jesus lived coming kingdom, not broken world. And and here's the reality for, for uh, all of us, okay? Uh, Thank you guys for letting me be your, your uh, shepherd for a season of life. Um, I really do appreciate it. Um, and, and as your under-shepherd, Jesus is the shepherd. As your under-shepherd, I want you to think kingdom, okay? Kingdom of God. I, I don't want you to, to think from the culture that you're in or the political party that you're affiliated with. I want you to be a person who seeks to think in everything about the kingdom of the kingdom and from the kingdom. Because this kingdom is countercultural to the world we live in. And, and, and living in our culture, what happens is we start to blend the two in ways that, that don't work. They don't blend. One reigns, the other serves. One um, rises to the top, the other sinks to the bottom always. These two kingdoms cannot coexist peacefully, side by side. And, but we get so used to this culture around us, we don't even notice it. Now, I don't know how many of you all grew up in a, in a, um, a household that where people smoked, but you know I, when you're around it so much, you don't even notice it anymore. But all your clothes smell and everything. And then when you you get away from it and you walk back into that environment, it's like, oh my gosh, uh, you know, before I acted like it wasn't there, but it was, and What I'm saying to you is the culture of offense, the culture of this broken world is the secondhand smoke we breathe. But Jesus brought in the fresh air of a new kingdom. And I want you to learn to breathe that air. I want you to learn to think those thoughts. I want you to challenge yourself with kingdom values and and kingdom visions and anything that isn't kingdom isn't God, isn't Jesus. So so Jesus carried no offense except carrying every offense to his father. And and that really, we're going to unpack this a little bit more next week. Be patient. Today, I just want to kind of lay the broad foundations, and we'll unpack a little bit, but here's how long you can carry an offense. You can carry it from the moment you receive it until you give it to the father. Again, we'll we'll talk about anger next week and boundaries and a lot of other things, Um, but after making that trip to the Father, you don't carry the offense anymore. He does. So after that, we just live unoffended in the strength of grace. And, and grace, is, grace is the astonishing, surprising answer to just about everything, Andy Stanley says. And he's right. It, it, just, it just is. So let me start to kind of build my, my case that Jesus was unoffendable. I don't know if anybody's ever pushed you or shoved you. Right, but it's really personal when somebody comes up and and, and does that. Um, I, I you know. I've been in several situations where, that, where that's happened. One, my last day in high school, last day in high school, I'm walking down the hallway, just looking down, and all of a sudden, the crowd in front of me stops, and then I, I look up, and then suddenly, they've all moved back, and I'm kind of in the center of something, and there is one of the toughest, crazy guys in our school standing, looking at me. Now, he wasn't a big guy, but he had a reputation of being mean and crazy and, and ruthless, Right, and somebody had shoved him into um the the Coke machine while he was facing it, and then so i'm I'm walking there, and all of a sudden i I you know get shoved and I'm, and i'm I'm real quick, all this is happening in like you know two seconds, and I'm looking around and figuring, why does everybody stop? why is he oh no, and then what and, and then oh, and everybody else is looking for a fight. It's like it's my last day of high school right i'm not. <laughs> and And please understand, I didn't, uh, this was not how I normally lived. I'm just, it was just a broken kid trying to, trying to figure it out from an alcoholic family and trying to figure out what does authentic faith look like and and what is there to Jesus. But I'm walking along in peace and literally a second and a half later, uh, I'm in the middle of an offense that I didn't create. And, and this guy squares off and, uh, and, and starts kind of like it's on. I just, I, I don't know why I said it, but uh, I just took a step towards him, and I said, Jesus really loves you. And then he, I, I, even as I'm saying it, I'm going, what are you saying, you know what? Where'd that come from? And, and, and he looks at me with the most startled look of his life I don't think that if if he was predicting all the words that have ever come out of, of my, my mouth th- those would not have been the words and then I just walked on past him and he just he literally just looked at me as I'm going by <laughs> a couple months later I ran into him on a roofing job I was working um on and 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 it's the same thing he just looked at me across the way and just and just kind of pointed at me that, that that was the guy and it was just <laughs> It's really personal when, when somebody shoves you. It's really personal when somebody wants to square off and, and take you out. How do you respond? What do you do? Jesus was the most offended person in all of human history. That's my case. Um, there's no greater uh, way to offend somebody than to beat them. I mean, repeatedly repeatedly. I mean, this is not one on one where you got a chance to take the other guy down. This is you surrounded by a crowd. Imagine your hands bound and you're surrounded by a group of unsupervised, angry, eighteen uh, year old soldiers, and and they're just beating you um, and mocking you. It's one thing to beat a person. Again, it's another thing to beat a person as a crowd. Uh, It's another thing then in that weakness to then begin mocking the person. And they wove a crown of thorns, put it on Jesus' head. They took a staff and they began to beat it on his head to make it as personal, mocking his claim to kingship. Jesus was was whipped 39 times with a a whip that was designed to... to, uh, to take the skin off the back. Jesus was let out and, and had nails driven through his wrists, his hands, his feet. He was raised up and dropped. And then as Jesus is bleeding, suffering the most painful method of execution that has ever been devised in all of human history. Reportedly, it came from the ancient Assyrians and they tried everything they could think of. Won't go through that, wouldn't be appropriate, but everything else was too quick and the victim didn 't suffer long enough, but crucifixion it was agony every second. in fact, you caused yourself agony just to raise up and breathe. <laughs> I, I cannot imagine all of the offenses and then and then, on top of all those offenses. Um, People were mocking Jesus and mocking everything that he'd ever stood for his whole life. There he is in weakness, um, uh, naked on the cross, bleeding out, and they're mocking everything he taught. And then in addition to that, Jesus had the offense of carrying, at this point, and I don't know how all this worked, but for the next couple of days until the resurrection, the offense of every human being who ever lived. For all of time, Jesus carried those offenses. Every rape, every murder, every act of cruelty, every hateful word, every child that is beaten down in heart and soul, Jesus bore all those offenses physically and spiritually and personally. And how did the most offended person who's ever lived respond? to the offense. Luke 23, 34 very clearly tells us, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. The first time I ever read those words, I said to myself, it sounds to me, Jesus, like they knew exactly what they were doing. They were very clever in mocking you. Hey, you're the son of God. Hey, come down and save yourself. Hey, you saved others, why can't you save you? Jesus carried the offense to the Father and even dying on a cross, lived in the power of his Father's peace, unoffendable. We, however, live in a second-hand smoke culture which nurtures Offense, and in fact, is proud of being offended. We are ever dividing into smaller tribes. Um, we are we are ever more confident of the rightness, separating me from my enemies' wrongness, and they are enemies. The way we talk about one another, political parties. Um, you know, these people are my enemies, and 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 even Christians do this, or people who claim the name of Christ do this. Well. Let me just say, again, the kingdom of the Father and the kingdom of the earth, they don't mix. It's oil and water. It's light and dark. It's, it's, it's love and hate. It's grace and judgment. They don't mix. And so you, you can't live um, naturally in this human culture and then claim to live supernaturally in the kingdom of heaven. And I just want to say one thing about the kingdom of God and the way it works. Don't think in terms of magic, all right? Because what a lot of us do is we don't even, we forget the term supernatural. Supernatural means these things are together. It means the divine and the flesh, they're, they're connected, That they're God incarnate in Christ, and how does God do his will to a large extent on planet Earth? He uses people, natural-born people, and 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 he uses the processes of life. We, on the other hand, want magic and instant. And we're kind of like some of us spiritually, and I'm talking about this in the terms of taking and learning and becoming an unoffendable person. I'm, I'm not simply saying that today, for some of you it will be. Honestly, I, I know this for a fact. Some of you will take the unoffendable challenge today and literally from today forward, you're gonna be just like 99.9% unoffendable. Some of the rest of us, it's gonna be a growing journey, but you're gonna get there. But what but, but we're like in, in terms of, of the things of God and, and how God works in choosing to use people, right? I mean, he fed 5,000, but what did he choose to use to feed 5,000 people? Human hands who gave a lunch, Right, supernatural. They're both there together. But but we're like we're like the person who plants tomato seeds in the dirt. You know, we plant them there and and we dig the hole and we water it. We may even throw on a little miracle grow. Right, right there on top. And then we step back and go, all right, where's my tomatoes? I planted them. You said they were good seeds. I'm hungry. I don't have tomatoes. Well, I guess that was a waste of time. And we walk away and we treat God like like he's a a fail. That's, what would you say to a person who had those kind of expectations? So we're not talking magic with the kingdom of God. We're talking the mystery of the supernatural um, where the, the spirit of God works in human life real time to bring about real time change. So the question is, How are we going to live in a wounding world that's badly broken? Are we going to live, um, you know, just like the rest of the world, nurturing offenses and carrying our wounds and dividing up into ever smaller tribes? And again, I want to say that if you ever create a category of people who are other for any reason, they're always less than. And and I'm just telling you, when you create a category of less than, you've also just declared those people are worth less. That's not a move that's gonna go well with father. So so forget whatever whatever party you are a part of. You are a citizen of the kingdom of God and our reasoning and our thinking needs to be first from scripture and about the kingdom of God and even when we, when we square up against people and we call them our enemies, we have to remember this countercultural call of Jesus to love our enemies. Abraham Lincoln famously was, was criticized for not wanting to destroy his enemies and, and, he, and he responded to the effect, do I not destroy them if I make them my friends? So how are we going to live, people, in a world where we are more and more uh, polar, opposite, divided, the the cultural, the political language is is more polarized. It's crazy where we're we're headed as a nation. Will we live a countercultural gospel that startles people with Jesus, or will we go with the flow of the ways that killed our king? When we're offended by something that anger displeases us, energy is released. Okay? We're talking about the process now. When something displeases you, there's energy inside of you. The question is, where do you take the energy? There's only two possibilities. You can store offenses in anger and be offended, be being a being word, this is who I am. I am now become offended. Or, You can release the offense to grace and be in peace. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they do. To be offended, to hold on to a wound, means that something has become bigger to me than the Lord and more real than his love. This consumes my mind and heart, what you did to me. Suddenly, God is in eclipse Suddenly, the grace of all that God has done matters little to you. What is big to you and occupies your mind and your thought is the offense. We hold on to offenses and anger in direct proportion to the depths. We're driven by our own ego or our own woundedness. So if you are a person who holds on to offenses Then you need to look in one of those two areas. It's either ego or wounds kept from God. Today I'm going to ask you to take the pledge and become unoffendable and give the people in this world who are used to Christians being the most offendable people in the world. You know, sometimes when I'm someplace, I like it when people don't know that I'm a pastor. It's not that I'm hiding, I'm a Christian. It, it it's just I I was when I was in Oklahoma, I heard a pastor say the same thing and I just want to stand up and go, Amen. Yeah. But then regular people don't even use that language. Darn. Um you know, so so we're there and, and, and she says, you know, when when um when people find out I'm a pastor, things get a little weird. And it's true. How people apologize for language. Well, I appreciate that, but that's not the first issue here, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um to take the pledge and watch peace grow to watch life grow to watch change happen i'm just telling you today things can be different you see if we hold on to our right to be offended we let go of our right to be forgiven And both of those things are in, uh, you know, in quotes because we have no right to be offended in light of how we've offended God. And we really have no right to be, to be forgiven, um, on our own. That, that right is a right God has. It's not ours. It's from the work of God on the cross. And, and Jesus was the substitutionary atonement, the sacrifice of God. God gave up his right to be offended at me. Oh my gosh, what an amazing thing. (laughs) God gave up his right to hold your sin against you at high personal cost. The right, well, put it this way, Father God living his pledge to be unoffendable cost him his own son. So, so to put another way, for those of you who are more black and white, I don't know which way is more, is easier for you to remember, but you could also say, if I hold on to offended, I forfeit forgiven. All right. And I want you to say that with me. Ready? If I hold on to offended, I forfeit forgiven. One more time. If I hold on to offended, I forfeit forgiven. And that's our choice. I have no right to hold on to an offense uh, in the kingdom of God. And and, and if I choose to exercise that right to hold you accountable for your wrong, then I forfeited the grace that is the gift of God. Let me see if I can back this up biblically. But again, you can read scripture for yourself. Um, it's the priest or the believer. You take the word of God. I, I pray that you're reading it every day and being encouraged by it and, and that it becomes, um, you know, light along your path and, and, and hope and power and strength. But, but I want you to read with me Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 through 35. And, and I want you to to, to hear the words of, of Jesus, the Unoffendable. Then Peter came up to Jesus and asked, "Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times." Now, in in uh, Jewish or Hebrew numerology, seven was the number of fulfillment, and and it was like the the it was the divine number. This is like the the God number, you know when. When I first came to Maryland uh, and I got my, my church phone, the last three numbers were 666. And so I, I called them up and said, I got a little problem here. I said, it doesn't really mean anything, but I'm a pastor and it kind of looks bad. And the lady said, I'm so sorry. So she gave me 777. I was like, thank you. <laughs> I really appreciate that. I don't know how you, you did that, but I'm grateful. So, so Peter thinks he's like just like wow, Jesus, go ahead and, already. Oh, you don't even have to, Jesus. I'll do it myself. And and Jesus said this. No, I tell you not seven times, but seventy-seven times. Wow, Jesus just topped it. And for those of you who are again more literal thinkers, I don't really think that the that these numbers are the point. It's like you're counting how many times your wife has offended you, and when you. Bam. All right. We're good. I've done it. This one's on you, baby. (laughs) You know, I'm, I'm holding this against you. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like, remember Jesus came in this broken world to reveal a kingdom, to help us live in this world with vision and sight from a new kingdom, a coming kingdom. So again, you are a kingdom people. And, and you are to think kingdom, reason kingdom, live kingdom. Everything is to be revolving around and centered in and flowing from kingdom uh, thinking and kingdom living. So Jesus said, I, I want to inform you about what God's kingdom is like. It's like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. That's justice. As he began settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Now, what I'm going to tell you next is like it's, it's you, you know, before there was the Bureau of, of like Weights and Measures, it's like a pound could be this many ounces or this many ounces. So we, you can't say exactly, but this is pretty accurate. Um, so 10,000 bags of gold, you know, many of your translations will say talents, right? And, and, and a talent of gold uh, was worth about 20 years of a day laborer's wages. Okay? So let's just do the math. One talent goal is 20,000 days of work. This guy owed, um, uh, 10,000. 10,000 times 20 equals 200,000. 200,000 what? Two hundred thousand years of work. Okay, that's seventy-three million days of wages. Do you see the point Jesus is making about his debt? Okay. Okay, now connection point in the story. You and I are that guy. Okay? So this is our debt to the king. So some of y'all's credit cards aren't looking so bad right now, are they? You know? <laughs> I got less than 73 million. So since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had to be sold to repay the debt. That was the culture harsh that they lived in. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's masters took pity on him and canceled the debt and let him go. Again, this is a kingdom picture of what God has done in Christ for each one of us who ask. God, I humble myself before you. I'm not gonna deny my debt. I'm gonna acknowledge that I have a sin debt and I'm asking you to give me grace. That's the way the kingdom begins. Now the question is, how then does the kingdom get lived out in life? Scripture says in verse 28 of Matthew 18, but when that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins, that was the amount of one day's wages. So, 73 million days of work versus one. This is what I've received from God. How do I take what I've received from God and translate that into my living relationships with people around me who owe me? When that servant found him, he grabbed him. He began to choke him. Wait a minute, I don't think the king was choking him, was he? I didn't pick up that in the story. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. Listen to the heart of this guy. Listen to the, to the anger and, and the, the self-righteousness, the ego. His fellow servant fell at his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. Sound familiar? But He refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. Wow, what kind of a repayment strategy is that? How much money do you make in prison? Nothing for this. When the other servants saw what happened, they were outraged and went out and told their master everything that had happened. Then that master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? Listen to this. In his anger, the master handed him over to the jailers. Okay, so it's one thing to be put in jail um, uh, you know, uh, to, until your debt is paid, but this guy was put in jail to be tortured until she, he should pay back all that he owed. Verse 35 is the punchline of the parable. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from the heart. What heart? A graced one. A truly forgiven one. A grateful one. And this is this is why religion doesn't hate the kingdom. Uh, this is why religion hates the kingdom. This is why religion hates the kind of stuff that we're going to talk about because religion uh, is that guy, and 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 religion is is I want to have the God rules, but I don't want a changed heart. I want to I want to leverage the things of God until um, you know as long as they're useful to me. But but when they begin to cost me or require heart change, that's when they no longer apply. To run into the love of God with your sin debt is to have a grateful heart. A softened heart. And it's a heart that's changed by the love of God, and, but not just changed for a moment, like the, a, a flare of a match that then goes out. It's changed for eternity. And now my heart is softened towards everyone else and grateful for grace. If we hold on to our right to be offended, we completely let go of our right to be forgiven. These offenses we're talking about, they range from small stuff. One person I was talking to this morning uh, had, had a good relationship with their neighbor, but the neighbor doesn't have a great relationship with the other neighbor, and so they put up an eight-foot fence. That's like the Berlin Wall, you know? You got your four foot fence, which is, Hi, how are you? You got your six foot fence, which says, I really don't want to see you too much. But your eight foot fence is is saying something. So she said, I guess I need to take the unoffensible challenge. Oh, come on, that was good. (laughs) That was was good. Marsha, the other day, I, I shared with you, she. We're, um, you know, in the dining room. We're eating, or, or the living room. We're eating uh, from TV trays this night, and and she says something. She she, I think, coptitude towards me. There was a tone that she used, and I didn't like it. And and in response, my my, you know, you know how you do things, and you have. But that's sort of wordless, like my wordless response was, well, I don't really want to be in the room with you right now. So I just get up and start to leave, and I get three steps before I hear this inaudible sort of whisper, you're offended. (laughs) No, I'm not. (laughs) Not even. (laughs) She was wrong. You're offended. Okay. (laughs) You're not going to live offendable. All right. I got to go back and sit down, don't I? Yeah, you do. <laughs> and then we work it out. Some things are as small as those kind of. Other things are are, are soul deep and life deep and and from childhood. Or some of my offenses, I, I realize, you know, I, I carry from my my father not just what he did, but it's what he didn't do, right? The stuff that you just weren't there. In fact, it would have been better if there was nobody there because then. I could have dealt with that, but somebody's there who's not there is a different kind of, and so some of these offenses are like your little child heart was like clay and, and there was misshaping and we carried some of these deep soul things. So all along the spectrum, we take the unoffendable challenge. And we recognize that I have no right to hold on to any offense in light of what God has done for me. And this contrast, 73 million days of work, verses one. Again, in the story, what you and I have done against God is the 73 million. What my Father did against me was the one. Jesus also said this, just to make it really clear for us in Matthew seven one, do not judge or you will be judged. With the same judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. This is good news right here, because Jesus is giving you the answers to the test, right? You have the key to the exam. And with the measure you used, it will be measured to you. Now, if you're a selfish person, you just got a gift, because you just learned how to to make this work, right? And, And when Michael offends me, Michael, right there in the front row, why, why'd you do that? I don't know What You know what? Oh, wait, how I respond to Michael is how God's going to respond to me. Michael, you're awesome, man. You're the best. See that God? Do you see what I did there? <laughs> I just let that go. So you know that thing I did the other day and the stuff I was thinking. Could you just go and let that go? Okay. A heart that is captured by grace, a heart that is truly grateful for forgiveness, a heart that is in love with the forgiver and, and is captivated by the mercy of God is gonna live different in a broken world. It just is. And so, so guys, you know, here's how we live unoffendable. I want you to live grace-dependent, aware of your debt to God. Right? I mean, you know, in Scripture in Ephesians 1, 7 through 8, it says this. In him we have redemption through his blood. Thank you, God. The forgiveness of sins. I'm free. Not just of, of God, quote, holding stuff against me. All the broken, um, self-defeating stuff that, that, that weighs me down, you know, in, in my life. I'm free from all of that brokenness. In accordance with the riches of God's grace that He lavished on us. We don't live in spiritual and emotional poverty. We live in the wealth of the joy of God's heart. So live grace dependent. Know that you owed God and He gladly forgave it and and allow that to do something to you. Allow it to soften you. Humble your heart in gratitude. Humility is in such short supply humble your heart in gratitude before God and give every offense to God. Instead of letting your mind be consumed by all the wrong that's been done to you. You know, the old joke. Um, I mean, this is back from the radio days where, uh, you know, the, the guy is saying, you know, when, when my wife and I have a, a, an argument, she gets historical. And the other radio guy says, you mean hysterical? No historical. She goes back and starts recounting everything I've ever done. <laughs> when you and I hold on to offenses, our minds and our hearts are radioactive. We are consumed. And this offense is bigger than God. And the wound is more relevant than the love of the eternal creator, the, the father who, who is the father of lights. And our minds are in bad places. But when our hearts are changed, here's what happens in Philippians 4, 4-8. Next slide. There we go. Instead of being consumed by anger, we're grateful. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be apparent to all. There's no. There's no uh, choking out of other people because you're mad and angry. Uh, there's gentleness. The Lord is near. He's near temporally in time. Uh, every second passes is one second closer to the sky splitting and Jesus returning. Uh, As king of kings, he's near uh, spiritually to every one of us. He's here right in this room where two or more are gathered. I am there. Be anxious for nothing. I don't have to live my life in debt to the wound. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. This is what forgiven looks like. This is what unoffendable looks like. The energy of the wound is given to God. The energy of how you've wounded me gets contrasted to the energy of how I wounded Christ on the cross and Grateful that he let mine go, I am am glad to let yours go from the heart. You have no enemies except one, and his name is Satan. Man, take the unoffendable challenge with me, and let's transition our world. Let's, Let's take a world who's used to Christians being the most easily offended. You know, we're the most easily offended people in the world. We think our job is to take a stand. Well, I got to take a stand on this issue. I got to take a stand on that issue. When did Jesus ever say to do that? He said, follow me. How do I stand on an issue when I'm following a person? Man, we give up all that self-righteous, you know, uh, you know I got the answer to truly really startling people with grace and a surprising love. So give what you want to receive, healing, mercy, or painful judgment. Take the pledge. Take the pledge. Give up your right to be offended by anyone or anything. I'm gonna ask you right now two things. Number one, if, if you are a, a person and you've never given your life to Jesus, all you have to do is, is just say yes. Just ask for mercy. You gotta humble yourself. You, you, can't, you can't come to Jesus with pride and ego. Scripture says in Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. He brings his forgiveness. He brings his redemption. He brings his grace, his life, his truth, his healing in his wings. He brings hope. He brings joy. He brings purpose, passion, peace. He brings everything that you ever wanted. And all you have to do is open the door of your life. Will you do that? The rest of you, I'm asking you uh, to take the unoffendable challenge. It's going to change stuff. Some of y'all, you won't put seven run, uh, we don't actually have bumper stickers, but we have like magnetic things and other things, you, window stuff. You won't put it on there because of how you drive. <laughs> I'm serious. Because you need to drive unoffendable. Ouch. <laughs> I'm serious. After this card gets signed and put in your purse and wallet, I'm expecting to see a run on those dadgum seven run bumper stickers. They better be on your car because you're going to be the kindest, nicest person. (laughs) I want you to read it with me. Let's read it out loud. I recognize that Jesus had every right to be offended by me, yet, Jesus forgives all my offenses for love. Therefore, I have no right to be offended by anyone or anything. I'm going to ask, if you will, this is very, very simple. I'm just going to ask, if you will, just to bow your head for a moment and and have a conversation about, uh, about this pledge with God. And then I'm going to ask you after, you know, a prayer to him, a conversation, a statement, a response that you would sign the card and carry it with you or put it somewhere that you see it. So would you do that right now? Would you just take a second and, and you respond personally to this challenge from God? And then grab the pen and sign the card. pray and I want to say I'm looking forward to living unoffendable with you until Jesus comes, amen? So Father God, thank you so much that you gave up your right to be offended by me through the death of your Son, Jesus Christ. Father, forgive us for holding on to offenses lead us from this moment forward into a new adventure of grace. And Father, may we be as unoffendable as Jesus Christ, your Son. We make this pledge to you knowing that we in and of ourselves do not have the strength to carry it out, but we believe that by your indwelling Holy Spirit and by our surrender that you can do this through us. So we surrender and we invite and we welcome and we thank you for the adventure of grace to come in the days ahead. In Jesus, and all God's people say. If you enjoyed today's message, feel free to share it with your friends. And as we like to say, love well. Live Jesus and believe big.